Hello everybody and welcome to the Cane and Rinse podcast, volume 10, issue 466. And we get to say it's the Streets of Rage 4 podcast, because Streets of Rage 4 came out. Joining me, Leon Cox, in this issue are Brian Edwards. I have the body of a Floyd, but the heart of a cherry, and I just want everybody to know that. <laughs> I, well... Hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm now. I'm now thinking very hard back to your TED talk. I can. I, I, I can no, go don't, back to. Don't look for actual confirmation of that. <laughs> <laughs> I could go for the latter, maybe not the former. <laughs> and also requesting backup. It's Mikhail Croda. Hi. No uh, sound bites this time because I don't think I can do it justice. The grand operas and all that. Just yeah. got, it's gonna sound horrible. It's this screechy. Yeah. Screechy, shouty thing that um, I, I might need some extra practice on. Hmm. And I still don't know what Shiva says when Shiva does their big twirly kick. Uh, yeah. I've, I've never known in all this time. I could look it up. Yeah. Where, where would the fun I that like be? the mystery. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Like, uh, who, who, who really wants to know what, uh, what the rating of uh, Mortal Kombat says? <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Or yeah. Liu Kang. <laughs> this isn't the Mortal Kombat show. No. This is Streets of Rage 4. Can you believe it? It actually happened, and here we are to talk about it. Yeah. In Japan, they called it Bare Knuckle 4, but it's not a Japanese game this time. They retained the Roman numerals that they'd used throughout the series, but we just have Streets of Rage 4. What is it? In case you don't know, it's the long-awaited official third sequel to Sega's celebrated 16-bit belt-scrolling brawler trilogy of the 1990s. I did something I virtually never do today, and I went back and listened to an ancient Cana Rinse podcast, mm. the 70th thereof, from March 2013. We talked all about the Streets of Rage trilogy, myself, along with uh, Darren Foreman, formerly of this parish, Carl, and uh, Dan Clark. Yeah. Still, still that was a regular fun podcast. Guest. I think I've listened to it multiple times. Yes, I know that uh, our friend Ben has listened to that podcast over and over again on his travels. Uh, yeah. And, I, and, I, and I, I think it did okay with the, the Streets of Rage community. Listening back, there's a few things I don't like about it. Listening back, I'm, I'm a little bullish. It's in the first hundred shows, so it's got some uh, sweary pops in it. Just a warning for those of you who seek it yeah. out. It's a 15 rated podcast. Yeah. And uh, But the reason I think if people haven't heard it before and are listening to this one, I do recommend you seek it out on the website or Spotify or wherever else, because we talk about the genesis of the brawler genre going all the way back to the earliest examples. It's a very long preamble in that show. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a two and a half hour show. It was before we had Patreon extended shows. So all that probably would have been cut for the Patreon show, uh, the non-Patreon show. So that gives you an idea, listener, if... Uh, if you don't know the kind of extra content that you what you're missing get. out on indeed unless jay's now edited that bit out in which case you don't because <laughs> you still haven't heard this we also talked and this is perhaps even more relevant at the end of the show about the many well several attempts both official and unofficial to continue or revive the streets of rage franchise so we don't need to go over that ground again because I think we covered it fairly comprehensively back then. Both uh, things like the uh, Beats of Rage series and um, fighting, fighting force, fighting yeah. force, and Streets of Rage HD. Things that never came to fruition, or you know, fan projects and official projects, and uh, uh, and all that. And yes, we even traced 
Streets of Rage back even further than the original Streets of Rage. So yeah, do check that podcast out, but be careful if you listen if you're listening with youngsters around. Mm. So we're going to crack straight on into Streets of Rage Four. Uh, well, actually, first let's just get a little context because neither Mikhail nor Brian were on that podcast. So Mikhail, what's your history with Streets of Rage specifically? I did not own a Mega Drive until uh, very late in my life. Um, so I played it at friends' houses, and I played um, part two also at friends' houses and in a kiosk for the first time. I remember. Um, and I always kind of figured, yeah, this is just too close to Final Fight for comfort. You know, I mm-hmm. always felt it like they 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 took too many an idea from Final Fight that right down to some enemy designs. Um, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, I love the genre and it's a, it's a brawler. And what I played, I always really enjoyed. And I think when, before I owned a Mega Drive, I got Streets of Rage 2 on the virtual console um, on the Wii. Just 50 hertz, of course. And yeah, um, not too long ago, I got the cartridge uh, of 2. And what one I got with the Mega Drive that I got actually uh, that I bought for, of a friend, and then yeah, two I uh, got I got it from Suits I think, and I have a trusty sixty hertz switch on my Mega Drive now, so I can play it at the proper speed. Um, yeah, I mean, there's just no denying how solid these are and how how well designed these are as uh, belt scrolling brawlers, and I think their strength is the. The weakness of the Streets of Rage series is that they're not arcade beat-em-ups, so they're kind of lengthy, but it's at the same time also their strength because they don't have to be as mean and nasty as a lot of arcade beat-em-ups are. Yeah. Uh, there's a little bit, you feel like you have a little bit more of a fighting chance and there's a little bit more of a, yeah, I mean, maybe a fair design behind uh, encounters and, mm-hmm. and enemy designs. So yeah, I'm, I, I definitely I'm not like the 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 hugest Streets of Rage series super fan in the world, okay. but I definitely have uh, warm feelings towards the series, and also getting Streets of Rage four eventually prompted me to seek out the uh, Japanese version of Streets of Rage three uh, after all that time. So yeah, oh, that's yes. bare, bare knuckle three, and I got one of those uh, detail electronics action replay cards uh, to bypass the regional lock, <laughs> especially okay. just, just for that game, yeah. And with 4, I believe you uh, went all the way and bought a physical copy. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the limited run version, um, for the which, which came with a uh, reversible cover and a full-color manual on the Switch. And that took about a month or two to arrive after it was released digitally. Yeah. Um, so I just had to wait for a little while. Yeah. And uh, I don't mind because I have a lot of other games to play, but uh, everybody in my timeline and uh, among my friends were were just raving about the game. So it felt uh, it felt longer than 2 months waiting for the game to arrive. And how much time have you spent with it? What have you done on the game? Uh I've played the story mode through on um normal and uh i've been recently i've been grinding uh the arcade mode on the hard difficulty trying to see uh you know as how, how far i can take it yes 
Okay, very good. Brian, what's your Streets of Rage history? Um, yeah, so I was one of the uh, of those houses when I was a child. I know we've talked about this before, but our house happened to just be a Nintendo product house. So we had an NES and a Super Nintendo and then a, and then onto a Nintendo 64. So my original Streets of Rage experience uh, on the Genesis stateside Mega Drive was um, uh, at friends' houses, much like McKeel. Uh, but then when I was an adult, I uh, moved away after I got out of college uh, to greener pastures. And then um, I, I moved in with a friend of mine who had a modded Xbox and he had all sorts of Genesis titles on there. And we spent a ton of time with the Streets of Rage trilogy um, mm. the, and we played them <laughs> over and over and backwards and forwards uh, many times um, with old, you know, big Duke Xbox controllers and. Yeah, so we uh, we spent a ton of time uh, with Streets of Rage. I actually now, from where I'm sitting, can see my physical copies of Streets of Rage one, two, and three for the for the Genesis over on my shelf. Um, nice. So f- uh, for me, Streets of Rage four, when it was announced, I was very excited for, and would have been a day one purchase had it not been conveniently available on Game Pass. So I ended up not purchasing it day one and playing it on Game Pass co op, um, entirely online co op, multiple playthroughs. And then um, more recently, I had picked up the Switch version to kind of tool around um, with some things. So I'm not sure how much time exactly I put through um, all together, but I have completed the story mode on normal with all four of the initially available characters mm. and uh, have tooled around with other characters and things in the process. So, um, but yeah, uh, so I it would have been a day one purchase for me, but it just, it, uh, the, uh, uh, the Xbox gods, you know, uh, yeah. made sure that, that that just happened to be available on my Xbox day one, which was great. Marvelous. Maybe also good to interject that I just I have not been playing the game all by myself either. I've uh, been playing offline co-op with my with my kids as well. So three, sometimes four players when one of their friends was coming along. Nice. And, uh, yeah. So me, me and the children. Good stuff. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm solo only on this game so far. But uh, but I certainly have put some time into it. For those who haven't yet gone back and listened to our old podcast, uh, I was a Streets of Rage fairly early adopter. As soon as I got my Mega Drive in 1990, Streets of Rage was one of the games I added to my collection. Quick Smart, Streets of Rage 2, I bought as soon as it came out and fell in love with it and have played it as much as I've played through any game ever, I think, over the past uh, nearly 30 years. Uh, I rebought it on every re-release compilation and whatever else it's come out on, downloadable or disc, whatever. I always get it, 3DS or Xbox 360 or whatever. Uh, any excuse to kind of v- revisit it and see what they've done with it. I still swear by the same compilation that I was swearing by on that old podcast, the Sega Vintage Collection, which thankfully is available still to buy and play on current Xboxes. Absolutely, yeah, that's a by wonderful M2. collection. Absolutely yeah. wonderful. Yeah. And well, now with Streets of Rage 4, I remember obviously there was the announcement and it was kind of a big deal. I knew that the people involved had, uh, I already had the Dragon's Trap, but I haven't really put any time into it. Uh, so they, uh, Lizard Cube had uh, overseen this uh, Wonder Boy, the Dragon's Trap remake, which had gone down very well. Uh, and so in a lot of ways, it seemed like a, a logical, sensible choice. But of course, there is still that. But this isn't the original people. But, you know, n- there was no way the original people were ever going to make Streets of Rage all get back together and make Streets of Rage 4. Mm. Yuzo Koshiro, 
is involved in a number of the, the the pieces of music for the game. We'll talk about the music later, of course, huge part. And yeah, like Brian, <clears throat> I probably would have bought this day one having seen the reception to it, but I didn't need to because it was on Game Pass from the minute it came out. So I just downloaded that. And that was the version. I mean, that is the version I've been playing on Xbox One X and then Series X, although I, I suspect it makes absolutely no difference which Xbox you're playing it on, uh, as I believe the Switch version runs pretty nicely indeed. So I played the the Game Pass version, as it were, not that it's any different, for about the first maybe 15 hours or something like that. And, uh, and then they announced this DLC, which we'll talk about later. And I'd kind of you know i thought well i've spent this much time i've kind of invested i've unlocked everything obviously you can buy it again in the future but if you buy something while it's on game pass you get a bit of a discount so i thought maybe i should actually buy this game so uh, yeah i bought it the other day for 16 pounds or whatever it costs with the game pass discount just so when it if and when it does get taken off of the service i still own it in inverted mm -hmm. commas as much as you ever own anything on a digital service but since then, since I bought it, I've put in about another 20 hours <laughs> or more. Uh, <laughs> nice. I, I, I looked at my game clock on good old games, uh, GOG Galaxy 2.0, which is uh, a great resource for uh, curating one's entire digital collection. Uh, and I've now put in 38 and a half hours, uh, most of which was in the last week. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, I've now played it through with every character, not every unlockable character but one each from each of the legacy games plus yeah. all the all the main characters the new characters uh, and i've played some arcade mode on hard uh, yet to get that achievement uh, and i'm still waiting to get my first s rank but although i think i'm getting closer but i've got mm. quite a few a ranks on quite a few levels on uh, normal and hard and i've played a bit of mania as well just for the heck of it so yeah uh, i've played a lot but all single player uh, and my actual opinion of the game has developed over time. Mm. But the fact that I've now played 38 and a half hours, yeah, can probably suggest that I quite like it now. Right. <laughs> but not <laughs> initially, maybe. Uh, I wasn't so blown away initially, no. Mm. So, yeah, the publisher is Dotemu, the French label behind, uh, well, all kinds of things going all the way back to uh, Nicky Boom. In 2008, uh, they were responsible for R-Type uh, and a few other um, IREM translations for arcade hits and stuff like this. Uh, yeah, they I think they were set up with a view to being a, a studio that dealt primarily in existing uh, vintage legacy, retro, whatever you want to call it, properties. Uh, they're currently working on Windjammers 2 for release this year, 2021. Oh, yeah, and of course... Right. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge, which was announced literally two days, I think, after we two recorded days. our <laughs> yeah. Teenage Mutant Ninja yeah. Turtles arcade show. But I got to say, oh, yeah. it looks pretty good. Yeah. 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 It looks very good. All three of us are on that show. Plus, plus, uh, of course, uh, Ben, ben, ben Carlin yeah. from One Credit Classics. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was that was a pretty, pretty hilarious timing, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there's another publisher credited which I haven't seen the logo on, so I'm not sure where if this is a regional thing or or whatever, but Eureka Studio, but spelt Y-O-O-R-E-K-A. I don't know. I'm not sure exactly what the involvement is there, but it appears on uh, Moby Games that they're involved. Could be an error, in which case I apologise. 
The exec producer is Cyril Imbert from Doltemu. But the game is really the work of a very small team. Ben Fique is the art director, the conceptualizer, character artist and animator, the narrative director, wrote the story, did the cinematics. He's the creative designer. The lead game designer is Jordi Asensio, also level designer, along with Cyril Lagarigue. Apologies for my French. (laughs) Technical director (laughs) is also Cyril, as is the main programmer and the game designer. And then on top of that, uh, two more people rounding out the team. You've got the programmer, who is Beausoleil Samson Guillemet, who is also the the UI head uh, and the background effects person, also did some additional writing. And then finally, you've got Julian Yu, who is the background supervisor, the art designer, and responsible for the cutscenes. And that is it. Probably not. I mean, we were talking about the credits on the old Mega Drive games. And actually, Streets of Rage 2 wasn't made by that many people. Uh, it was Team Ancient plus some Sega folks. Uh, probably slightly more people than this, but not maybe not that many. Yeah, it is. Um, especially in modern game development, that is just a, a crazy small team. For, for the product that is kind of churned out here. that's um, incredibly impressive, but it does it does kind of speak to why you could... Everything is quite coherent throughout all 12 stages of this game, you know, like uh, from art design to animation to... Uh, the, everything does seem to fit fit together quite nicely. Mm. Um, so uh, so maybe that is a benefit of having uh, such a small team. I, I have no doubt that these, uh, these team members uh, did a whole heck of a lot of work in order to get this game to where it got. Yeah, there's a fantastic video on Digital Foundry with our friend John Linneman, where he's uh, he's uh, exploring the creation of the game. Well worth checking out. Yeah, can't help but relate it to uh, my own project, of course, which is also a similar kind of credits deal as yeah, you've got um, multiple roles, but just uh, three, four names uh, popping up on all those roles. Yeah, no. that's where it begins. Unless, unless of course, you're one of those uh, insane people who makes everything themselves like yeah. uh, toby fox or eric baroni but uh yeah five people is is and, and for this this you know this is a, a big international product with a huge legacy as well so they, it comes with expectations it wouldn't mm. have it wouldn't have done for this to be and we have had so many kind of slightly disappointing um sort of retro revivals for want of a better phrase even sega in the past when with sonic 4 and we haven't officially ever reviewed that but mm. they got dimps in to make that one and uh and generally the reception to that wasn't very good even though they called it sonic the hedgehog 4 which made you think they were quite comfortable with it and confident about it but anyway uh the game was released on windows pc switch ps4 and xbox one on april the 30th 2020 just about a year ago it was on Xbox Game Pass from day one and is still there. The Mac OS and Linux PC versions arrived on November the 12th, 2020. Reviews wise, the game is on a healthy and creditable 84%, recommended by 90% of over 140 reviews. The game also received a Famitsu Gold Award in the famous Japanese mag- uh, magazine. And it was nominated for Best Action Game at the Game Awards in 2020, but lost to Hades. If you're going to lose, you know, not a bad way to go about <laughs> right, it. Yeah. As of September 2020, the game had sold over 1.5 million digital copies worldwide. 
fair to say it's done all right and probably sold a few more in the the months past then as well obviously we have no idea how much money they got for putting the thing on game pass but uh, user reviews do the fans like it well the metacritic folks are happy enough with an 8.1 out of 10 over on nintendo life the uh, the switch folks are a bit more happy with it 8.6 out of 10 and the ps4 owners like it even more with 8.9 out of 10 which is a similar score to that which it has on moby games 4.4 out of 5. Fair to say, it's. I mean, I'm sure there are people out there who are massively disappointed with it, but fair to say, overall, it's gone down okay. Let's hear from our first correspondent on this podcast. This is from Regir from the Cane and Rinse Forum, who says, My brother and I both grew up playing Streets of Rage 1 and 2 practically every weekend whilst we had a Mega Drive. We couldn't wait to jump on this after years of wanting a sequel. Turned out as good, if not better, than we'd imagined. It looks great, it plays fantastic, and it sounds incredible. It's the perfect mix of new and nostalgia. Keeping the sound effects from the original Streets of Rage when you initially press start on the menu was ingenious. First Sonic Mania, now this. Sega, whatever you're doing, or asking people to do for you, keep it up. That's actually one thing that I didn't mention. The name Sega is notab notably absent from most... Right. It, all it says is uh, in association with Sega. This is yeah. not Sega published. Yeah, that is so strange. I, I wanted to, I, I expected the Sega logo to pop yeah. up on one of the splash screens. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was even kind of surprised. Like I was almost expecting that old uh, Mega Drive version of the Sega, like coming, like, like the, like just to bring it all back around mm. and just to not see any of that was kind of surprising. Um, But then. You kind of look at how the tone and, and other aspects of the game have moved on. I mean, I guess it is. It does kind of stand on its own. It makes you wonder if um, what, or to, to, just to speculate, what plans Sega may or may not have moving mm. forward for Streets of Rage. If it, if it might just, uh, you know, shuffle it off completely if, if the success of this one allows them to, yeah. you know, to make a five or something down the line. Yeah. Don't, obviously, we just, yeah, we don't know what their cut of this is, if anything, or whether it was a, like, they just, they were so bereft of ideas as to how to bring this back that they just like yeah we'll we'll give it to these french guys for a nominal fee and let them <laughs> let them take it over <laughs> let them figure it out yeah, yeah who knows but um yeah maybe it's just the timing then but because there have been pitches for Streets of rage 4 from other companies uh, from other developers before this well that's exactly what we, yeah we were talking about that on the old podcast we we had uh correspondence from one of the people who worked on one of the pitches at ruffian yeah uh and he he said that sega were pretty happy with what they were doing uh, there was a there's a little video that's out there of their efforts and the response did seem to be pretty positive but for whatever reason it never happened yeah this game follows bare knuckles bare knuckle 3 storyline the one that we mentioned earlier instead of the censored streets of rage 3 version that's from the fandom wiki. So it's more about the the global conspiracy of evildoers than the fact that Axel is actually a robot. <laughs> um, so now this is I'm not trying to start off being the American who's being reductive of the narrative. So I'm going to try to stop be that person. But was were, was the Streets of Rage storyline something that either of you were invested in no. in any way, shape or form? No, I think some people are, though. <laughs> 
I oh I agree. I, I'm sure every and every uh, fran- uh, series has its like people that delve deep into the storyline. I get that. I I am a Mortal Kombat lore nerd. Like okay. absolutely. Okay. Like have like so I can you totally I can tell you that. yeah <laughs> yeah yeah. I oh, know exactly. I get it. Um, but uh, but yeah. The for me it was always just about you know punching barrels and eating you know street meat and throwing you people know, off and, of bridges. Just, yeah. Exactly. Getting getting weapons. You know, yeah. I, it, for me it was never about the story. I so couldn't the, care less. I, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good. Uh, so I don't feel as bad because when it when it was talking about the story, like when I was uh, reading preview coverage of Streets of Rage Four, very excited. Um, it was like, oh yeah, Mister X's children are are the are the you know the the main. Antagonist I quite like I... that. Like that's that's but that's all I needed to know. Like oh, right, they, exactly. There could have they they could have had the old scrolling text like on the original games, just mm. like a, a screen with their faces appearing on the night sky, and all it all yeah. all it had to say was Mister X's children. The Y twins. Dot <laughs> yep, dot dot. Yep. That's it. That's it. That's all you need. Yeah, that's all I needed. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Ten years after the events of Streets of Rage Three, in which the criminal mastermind Mr. X was defeated, Wood Oak City falls under the control of a new crime syndicate led by Mr. X's children, the Y twins, who plan to brainwash its citizens with hypnotic music. Blaze Fielding calls in some old favours to take the twins down. Joining Blaze are her old friends Axel Stone and Adam Hunter, Adam's daughter Cherry Hunter, and Floyd Iraya, a cybernetically enhanced apprentice to Dr. Zan. Thanks, Wikipedia. That's more than we needed to know. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I do, I will say though, even though the story wasn't really what I was looking for um, out of this game, I do think the cutscenes are pretty cool. Um, like the the in between yeah, level cuts, like comic are, book style. Yeah, I really did like that. Um, I'm tr- I'm struggling to think of the of the boss from the third uh from from the third stage. I can only describe her. She she appears to be a communist dominatrix. Oh, in the in the ship. Like. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, so I remember like the cutscene after her leading on to into the into the port cargo. I believe is a, a cargo port. Uh, I believe is the next stage, and just kind of like like. I was like feeling the need to skip those cutscenes beforehand, but then from that point on, like I don't know what it was about that one that just kind of got me. I just like I like was enjoying the vibe and the feel of it all, so I'm just like, oh, I'll just watch these the rest of the way through, and I'm really glad I did because um because there's some really interesting art, some really uh some really nice looking uh, pieces of animation in there too. Yeah, but the vibe and the mood is is great of it all. Exactly. Um, <laughs> funny you mentioned that that scene because I was just playing it before we started the show, and my uh, boy was uh, watching over my shoulder. And he was asking me, what is with this woman? Why does she like pain? And uh, I said, <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, that's, that's strange, isn't it? So it's complicated, just, uh, son. Didn't, didn't, yeah. attempt, didn't attempt to explain <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I may have watched most of the cutscenes on the first playthrough, but I've been religiously skipping them ever since. I think that yeah. they are nicely drawn, but I, don't, yeah. I, just, I just don't need a story in, in a game like this. As I say, I just need to know scroll to the right and eventually beat up the people at the end. But I think they do, you know, overall, um, and we'll, we might just go into that in the art and the graphics as well, but um, it's the game successfully puts down an atmosphere of this being the place that you know from the old games and the people that you know from the old games, but everything has aged a little bit, you know? Uh, mm. So um, Axel has his uh, has his beard, of course. Max has great up, temples. Has great temples. Uh, Axel looks a little bit bummy, and uh, yeah, it's just 
It's just it's not much, but it gives you just enough to get a certain sense of 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 the atmosphere. Yeah, let's get into the the visual side of things. It does open with uh, a an almost Street Fighter esque sort of montage of graphics, something that would yeah didn't really happen on the the Mega Drive. As I say, they, we, we had an intro, but it was slower and moodier, and obviously they had massively limited cartridge space with which to to play around with that stuff. So now we've got a yeah very car, comic book cartoonish kind of intro reintroducing the main characters yeah confirming that um axel makes his knuckles burn by actually dragging them over the pavement well how do you do it (laughs) (laughs) stop i was just you know it just just confirmed the science behind it all yeah good sure i'm sure brian uh, and the uh, character issues podcast can relate we we will we'll get to all the science of that eventually i'm sure <laughs> <laughs> let's hear from some correspondence on the visuals shadowless kick said it took some time but i eventually got used to the visuals i think the actual designs are pretty strong and i like the classic classic trio's updated looks unfortunately the animation is kind of meh and aside from the art gallery and the police station i thought the backgrounds were mostly bland and uninspired the little voice work that's here isn't particularly great either. That's not visual, obviously. Uh, and Sean S. Thomas says the art style seemed divisive, but I thought it felt fresh and in keeping with the drawings and box art from the era. And I personally was pleased to see something different from the now commonly used pixel art style that they could have opted for. So where do you folks land on this, Brian? Uh so when I saw preview coverage of the game, I was instantly turned off by it just because of my nostalgia filter. Mm-hmm. You know, um, saw it, didn't think it looked very good. I'm like, ah, kind of in my mind having the discussion of, man, this is an interesting choice they made, and I'm not quite sure if I'm going to like it. Uh, And then cut to the day it was released, I downloaded on Game Pass, hopped into the first level, and by, I don't know, the first three or four brawls, that completely escaped my mind. Because it it played so much like what I remember, or or better yet, it played the way my brain thought those games played when I was a kid, but Mm. updated it enough to make it smoother and, and nicer. So I grew to really love the art and the graphics. Um, but I will say that some of the background stuff w- did seem a little lacking mm-hmm. at first. Um, I feel it gets better as the game goes on, um, as it gets out of the more urban areas and, and kind of into some just some different uh, settings. I think it's a little bit better. But uh, so I can see I, I totally agree with that, uh, that complaint um, from Shadowless Kick. But but the art style is something that I initially just full on turned me off. But now I really, really enjoy And it's kind of one of those things that I'd like to see him take another stab at it, like to see whether or not they were to stay with this type of our cell or to try something else that it was a deviation of the path, another evolution. Because um, to me, they, they proved it here that, that it could be done and done well. Interesting. Mikhail, how do you feel about the visuals? The danger with a uh, clean-lined, uh, sort of flat-shaded art style is that uh, you almost inevitably draw comparisons to flash games right mm-hmm. yeah that sort of mm-hmm. sort of thing um so once you pick that sort of style it's what you do with it afterwards i think that makes it uh that makes it a breaks breaks it um one example for example uh, of a game that picks a similar sort of graphical style but falls flat to me is the uh street fighter uh, Street Fighter 2, Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo HD Remix. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, it, it that looks very plain to me. Even though initially when I first saw screenshots, I 
I was kind of interested in it. Um, you bought the uh, the you bought the Wii um, Wii <laughs> the Switch. So you bought yeah, the Switch I, one, didn't you? Yeah, but I uh, always turn it uh, to original pixel art. You couldn't okay. do that in the yeah. HD remix. Fair, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, so what they do with Street uh, Rage Four is a they've got pretty damn fluid animation. So I don't agree with Shadowless Kick there no, at all. I don't think Only I do the thing is. If you look at, for example, what .emu did before with uh, the Dragon Strap, is that the animations are even more elaborate and fluid in there, but that's because it's a different genre. Um, so in the case of Streets of Rage 4, you've got a beat-em-up, and they work a lot more with very strong keyframes animations, keyframed animations, right, mm. with long-held poses and that sort of stuff. So, yeah. And because of the immediacy of the actions that you need to do, it might come across a little bit choppier, but yeah. I think that's that's not weird or that's not bad yeah. or anything. And like we've that's, seen some the nature of the genre. Some of those modern attempts at bringing the genre up to date have perhaps overdone it with the animation to the point exactly. that it that it it it's no longer communicating what it needs to communicate to the player. Exactly. Then you get this sort of wet blanket type of feeling right. where when yeah. you don't hold keyframes keyframes of the animation for long, you know, and it, yeah, nothing really. There's no good hit stop. It doesn't follow through properly. It's a really difficult um, balance to get right, I imagine. Exactly. So I think they did that very well, actually, with Streets of Rage 4. And I think they used the original animations of the characters sort of as reference, but then gave yes. them a lot more flourish. Mm. And not only that, um, they also use a lot of really cool lighting tricks yes. uh, from the environment on, yeah. on the 2D characters, which I always really like to see. I, I remember... One of the first times I saw lighting on 2D characters was uh, probably in King of Fighters 13, yeah. where you go into different stages and there's just a different color hue over the characters. And if there's a light source, there's actually like a, a little, you know, a little light reflecting off right. the characters. That's as one well. of the things that John's video, Digital Foundry, goes into how they yeah. how they pull that yep. off. You can actually turn yeah. that stuff off and on as well if you find it. If you don't like it, you prefer the yeah. the 2D look. There are there are a bunch of tools in the menu to to, to customize it to your yeah. liking yeah i think I'm, I'm not sure if that's in the switch version it might be the pc version only no 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 it uh it possibly isn't switch but they were there on ps4 from day one right and they weren't there on the blitworks conversions from day one but they patched them in after about a week ah okay got it yeah yeah, yeah i think so that's video all goes into that yeah thanks for getting the facts straight no worries yeah. Uh, yeah, I really like that stuff as well. I, I've I've played it with uh, with those effects off, and uh, then yeah, put them back on, and they've stayed on ever since. There's a particularly cool bit where uh, you, uh, I think, is, is it the uh, is it the jetty? You're you're under, and it's where the arcade is, and then uh, the cops have all pulled up in their cars, and the the, yeah. the blues and twos are going, and the the lights are bouncing off, and also in the stained glass window bit. In, uh, yeah. in oh, yeah, Wireless yeah. Tower. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wild, yeah. So the thing is maybe the thing that I do agree with Shadowless Kick with is that I, I wouldn't say the backgrounds are like lost. I think there are a lot of really cool backgrounds, but it's definitely a little bit uneven. So, yeah. 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 I, I feel like that about the backgrounds as well. Some of them are really memorable. I think it's all really well drawn. Like, I think the artists yeah. are talented. Without a doubt. Mm-hmm. No doubt. And I like the colors, but I think some of them, I know it sounds ironic, uh, and I'm sure there is some sort of almost subtle compared to the 16-bit games, parallax going on and stuff, but 
I find there's a bit of a, a lack of depth b- yeah. with the 2D style. Like, and uh, uh, yeah, I think I would like I, a bit more contrast in the lighting and, and a bit more depth. I think. Yeah, yeah, they did that very well in the old games with the pixel art, right? There's a yeah. lot of really great use of color to mm. yeah to sort of drive this thing home and some some line scrolling on the floor and, of course, and that sort of thing yeah. and foreground objects that uh, that go by. Yeah. But on the plus side, I think, yeah, like the art gallery is a really interesting choice and setting. Uh, and yeah. yeah, some of the areas are, are quite memorable. Um, and some of the areas contain a lot of uh, very interesting detail as well. And I think the messier and the more, let's say, grittier an environment is overall, the more there's going on. I like the Chinatown area, for example, a lot right. in the opening area as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, the Sky Train brings back the sort of the cla- the yeah. most classic uh, backdrop that I think of when I think of eighties and nineties yeah. brawlers, which is yeah the the city skyline, yeah in in the dark, which uh, you can't go wrong with that. But yeah, yeah, they also they bring back some some of the ideas from some of the old levels. So there's a couple of bits where you get to just merrily throw people backwards out of the stage, which uh, yeah. which is always a joy from my point of view. Definitely. And some uh, some tricks and traps as well. A few of the uh, a few things to mix it up, but I don't think they overdo it too much. Like I remember when I f- I was first playing this, the first few hours, I was finding stuff like the pipes in the sewers that jetted out green, deadly steam. I was finding that stuff quite frustrating. But now I kind of I've played it so much that I'm actually using that stuff against the enemies rather than exactly yeah, wandering into yep. my, into it myself. There, there's a lot of that, yeah, definitely on subsequent playthroughs. You deal with you can you learn to deal with a lot of stuff that might be very annoying on your first playthrough yeah so yeah overall um i think the more i've played it the more the more i've like a few people have said the the more i get to like it it is very hard with as i say especially as somebody who fell in love with street streets of rage 2 at the age of 20 or whatever i was 21 and has played it on the regular for 28 years or whatever it is it's very hard for a game to just come along and kind of take its place in that brain space in in yeah. in that part of your and and it's very hard for for you one a human to be fair to it i think yeah uh, yeah and you yeah uh, in the end uh, yeah the, the if if the gameplay holds on to you then I think you sort of end up warming to everything that's around it. But yeah. if the, if the if the visuals were really off putting, then I like if if I didn't like them somewhat, then mm. I think I would have I possibly could have walked away from the game. But luckily, I thought that it was it was nice and well drawn enough to keep me wanting to come back, even if I didn't love it at first. Yeah. And now yeah. the more I like the game, the more I'm at peace with the fact that the visuals don't look like the Mega Drive game because. Why would they? Yeah, and some of those some of those visual styles that the, that were changed make make a lot more sense. Like it, while looking at the animations and looking at the way the game moves and looking at like some of the idle animations, like Cherry's idle animation is just like she, that sway rock bear back and forth. It's just like I don't know. It just I can't imagine her looking any any other way now. Like I can't mm. picture in my mind what a pixelated or more pixelated version of that mm. uh, looks like. So yeah. it does, like you said, it like it rewrites your own headcanon about like how Streets of Rage is supposed to look. Yeah, and, and yeah, you mentioned uh, Cherry there. How do you feel about the? Obviously, again, it's if they if they got it quotes wrong, if they defended fans of the series, 
with the new character designs that would have been something to you know, put people's backs up straight away but uh but i th- i get the impression and i certainly i, I like cherry uh and I, I like him so much I've forgotten his name <laughs> and, and Floyd, Floyd. Uh, Floyd and Floyd yeah. uh, and I'm also I'm genuinely looking forward now to the uh, being able to play as the modern version of Shiva and Estelle in in the the upcoming DLC uh, but yeah. yeah I think I, I feel like uh, I, I, yeah I'd rather play as Cherry than Skates <laughs> yeah the, the, the thing <laughs> yeah. is um, they took these new characters, they designed these new characters, and the reason why there wasn't a heavy backlash to them is, I think, because they took that freedom that they have in designing a new characters and did some very interesting things with those character designs gameplay-wise as well. So, yeah, they just Mm. play really well. They have very interesting movesets and and mobility, and, yeah, that, um, you know... Cherry is not just Skate, and uh, Floyd is not just Max. So they all yeah. have the, they 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 play unlike the other characters that came before them, which is why I think in their own right they became quite kind of mainstays. Mm. Yeah, yeah. We'll get into some of the the specifics. Uh, any of the other uh, sort of gameplay elements of the stages? Anything you wanted to mention there that as being a, a highlight or a low light in terms of the when it's not simply just walking from left to right and beating up any of the the gimmicks, I like the bit with the the wrecking ball. There's two bits yeah. actually, yeah. two wrecking balls, because yeah. based on the the scoring system of the game, the way that it's all combo focused, uh, there's a there's a really high risk reward thing at play there, which is the trying to keep the wrecking ball swinging while not letting it take you out, but while keeping it knocking enemies out on the other side of the screen. Stuff like that. That's fun. Anything else yeah. like that for you folks? Chinatown is fun with the with the dojos, yep. which are sort of that's... like enemy rush gauntlets. Oh yeah, and, yeah, yeah. That's exactly what I was gonna say. I, I really love that Chinatown level. It reminded me of. I'm trying to think. There was a a a level they added to the NES version of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles arcade game that reminds me of a lot that I mm. really enjoyed. Oh, okay. Um and uh and yeah, I I really did like that level. Um, Sky Train is really cool. Um. And I also I think the the last level, which I'm sure we'll get into, is a, a lot of people uh, kind of consider that the difficulty spike yeah, level. Yeah. Um, uh, I think that level does a lot of really neat and interesting things too. So um, it's definitely so yeah, the there, one I've played a lot the most. Like there. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Me too. Uh, talking about the Chinatown, it's interesting. That one starts with a pickup item that you never see again: the boomerang. Uh, it's, yep. it's there once, and you get to fling it, and it's pretty much lined up for a bunch of fairly uh, low rent goons to step in and for you to start charging up your combo. And I appreciate stuff like that. There's also, there's one eight ball in the entire game that you can pick up and throw stuff like that. That boomerang is great. If you want to, if you're having trouble getting that achievement or trophy for catching the weapon after you've thrown it, Ah, (laughs) that's a really good one. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really, that's really useful for that. Important aspect of brawler is the sound design talking about the, the actual, Sound effects we talked about in the the TMNT Simpsons show. We talked about how Konami seemed to deliberately soften the sounds of impact a lot of the time, perhaps for family friendly reasons or whatever else. But it leaves the game with this slightly mushy feeling, and that was very much the case I felt with Streets of Rage One. As much as I I still do like that game, I was playing it not that long ago. 
but the the and in fact those sound effects are still in here because if you pick a Streets of Rage one character, you get that that old sort of slightly soft, wet yeah. sounding punch. Uh, the famously the 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 punching and hitting and clanging sound effects in Streets of Rage two are massively amped up. Uh, and if, if anything, unless you're playing with a Streets of Rage two character in this game, they've perhaps dialed it back slightly in this, but for me to a sensible level. Uh, for a while, I was thinking, oh, I kind of wish they'd gone a bit more over the top with the with the punching sound effects. Obviously, you can rebalance the sound. You could turn the music down and turn the sound effects way up and things like that. But but overall, yeah, again, having more... I like yeah, I like them a lot. There are some very hard, satisfying thwacks uh, yeah. in this game. Yeah, and I think actually, uh, Streets of Rage Two's punching and kicking sound effects were a step up from the first one for sure. But I still always thought that sounded a little bit too. Yep. You know? Yep. So mm-hmm. sort of, I, I I want my punches and kicks to sound like a bit meatier. Like, yeah, a bit, yeah, a bit, bit meatier. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. More bass in that. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, some of the other the the sound of this, like obviously a lot of the noises are brought directly back from Legacy, which I think is a sensible move. Keep the connection because, to be honest, I am always conscious that I am playing a modern French version of a thirty-year-old Japanese game. Like I'm never not <laughs> I'm never not conscious of that fact. Uh, so so it helps that there's little bits of connective tissue in there just to to remind me that this is yeah this is legit Streets of Rage four, even yeah. if only one of the original team from Streets of Rage two actually actually works on it. The yeah. one complaint I do have, I really like the noise. We'll get into the mechanics, but there's a noise when you bank a combo effectively, uh, yeah, which, yeah. which is cool. It gives you a sort of slap clash. I don't know best, how to, best to describe it. I can't do an impersonation of it. The only thing is that I think the uh, the the noise for having your combo broken could be more different from that. Because uh, sometimes I think I've had my combo broken when it's con- when it's successful and vice versa. I know what you mean, yeah. Yeah, there's a little um, uh, lack of uh, definition between those two sounds. Uh, I, I, In fact, when I was playing earlier today, uh, that's made even, this is my own personal problem, but that's made even di- more difficult when you're playing on the Switch because you're kind of less engaged in the sound just because the sound's coming from a smaller speaker, there's less bass, there's less this. So those sounds sound those sounds yeah, sound almost identical mm. uh, playing through there, which is something I hadn't considered before. But mm. yeah, um, they're a little... A little similar but there's some uh there's some fun uh even outside of the music there's some uh some fun sounds for bosses powering up and uh the special moves like again cherry's sort of uh super move with the where it's got that kind of guitar wail and scream yep. kind of effect it's very satisfying i think same thing with um i keep calling it uh, a cable but it's not as floyd because his uh his uh, super uh, essentially reminds me a lot of Cable's super from Marvel's Capcom 2. Okay. Oh, yeah, with the big, big bazooka over the shoulder. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so that 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 is very satisfying. Um, when, when I'm looking up in the left corner and I see I've got a, a couple spinning stars ready for the boss fight, I, I normally get pretty excited that I get to fire that off a couple times in a row. <laughs> it made me think more of uh, Iron Man's Iron Cannon. Yeah, I think oh, so. Yeah. Or War yeah. Machine. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, uh, C- Cable yeah. has the uh, twisty Viper Beam. Uh, Hyper oh, Viper yeah, beam. you know what? I am thinking of War Machine. I'm yeah. mixing them up. Got, yeah. Well, I guess, should I leave the show? Yeah. Uh, should I just unplug? Uh, uh, this is not the Marvel Cards show. Oh, uh, man. <laughs> and in your badge and gun. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh, boy. I have so many. I have so many. <laughs> 
brain farts of that nature these days. I wouldn't worry about it. <laughs> but yeah, onto the music because I think it's fair to say that the original trilogy is as famous as anything for its Yuzo Koshiro soundtracks, especially one and two. This time, Yuzo returns with some of the tracks, including the opening title theme and uh, one of the uh, the opening level theme and some inter interlevel stuff. The main composer otherwise is an interesting choice, I think. Olivier, Olivier de Rivière, who we featured many times on Sound of Play podcast, a very talented French musician responsible for things like A Plague Tale Innocence yeah. and Vampire and uh, Life is Strange and, and stuff like that. Uh, his, his A Plague Tale soundtrack is an absolute all-timer for me, but it's also, it couldn't be more different than what he was asked yeah. of to do here. Yeah, so it's, it really does show kind of some range. That, um, yeah, and, and I'm not sure uh, how, how you guys feel about the music. I, I do feel it's really up and down, um, which mm. might be characteristic of the fact that there were a lot of hands that did touch it. So yeah. um, Original I, uh, could additional be. compositions from Moto Hiro Kawashima, Yokoshima Mura, Keiji Yamagishi, Harumi Fujita, Das Mortal, and ground is slava so yeah it is a it's a team effort in the end yeah i i don't think it sounds um too dis disjointed there's this everything has a sort yeah. of uh i agree you know electronic feeling to it uh that that sort of is the connective tissue there but i do think even though a lot of the beats sound nice and punchy and they get you pumped up um a lot of the tracks feature strong um recognizable melodies yeah for yeah. me yeah i was actually listening to um because i'm i'm kind of obsessed with yoko shimamura's work um mm. uh her work on this game and she really only has one small contribution but um, yeah shiva it does have a yeah shiva exactly it has such a strong string melody and that goes that goes right into the apex train uh which couldn't be more of a different piece mm. of music but again again by oliver uh Derivier and uh and that also has really strong uh, melody in it too. It, there's there's a couple uh, a couple stage uh, themes that I find myself humming from time to time. But then other ones, and it's and maybe it's maybe it's just a personal preference thing. But I find like the opening track um, for you know the first level, which is kind of a track with brawlers that I tend to you know think about a lot or, or to revisit because you're starting the game course, again, yeah. different characters. Um, it it doesn't not that it I don't think it's particularly forgettable or bad or anything but it just doesn't have the hit that say hmm. you know i could i could probably you know sing you a terrible version of several streets of rage 2 themes you know right now including the first yeah. one so it just was kind of maybe just a little little less it, it has this memorable. 90s clubby in there but then yeah. you want to have some sort of melody overlaid there and that never really comes yeah. uh, and, yeah. and i find that with a lot of i find that with a lot of music in the game I've again it's grown on me a lot like the more I've played it the more I like the music it reminds me of whenever a new a modern musical film comes out the there's a there tend to be a lot of reviews which say well this none of the songs in this film hold up to songs from old musicals <laughs> right, it's like because yeah. you haven't listened to them for 40 years or whatever uh, yeah, I remember right. you know, it was said about La La Land, it was said about uh, Mary Poppins Returns, which I haven't seen. But people who are fans of those films will return to them time and time again and love those songs because you, you, yeah. you get to know them more. Like If you listen to an album once or twice, you don't know it at all. 
And certainly now I've played through all of these levels multiple times. Oh, and by the way, you can switch to uh, Retro Soundtrack, which is an interesting mix of tracks from mainly the first two games, but also some 8-bit uh, Master System versions of some of the tunes oh, and stuff like that. Funny. So uh, that's that's uh, quite a fun choice. Uh, but yeah, the more I play it, the more earworms I found. There are definitely some tracks which are less earwormy than others, but I suspect that was probably true of the originals that I've now listened to for nearly 30 yeah. years uh, but the right. thing is though just music music uh, musical analytically um there is you know a, a lot of the tracks are just the beats without much in the way of of melody and not saying they're they aren't there but i find that uh on a yeah quite a large portion of tracks on the soundtrack yeah i would say i would say some and some i i think there's there's some there's some underlying melodies there. Maybe maybe they're not as in your face. The, I, I, I certainly admit, you know, the times when it really does pick up and throw the melody right in your face, like the uh, the ascension up the lift. And that, yeah, that that's big, the one that epic, I picked for sound yep. of play. Epic keyboard riff comes in, uh, epic synth kind of riff. And it sounds like a riff that must have been played or composed before by somebody else because it's so kind of archetypally epic synth music from... But it, but it's great. I think it's, it, yeah. it works absolutely brilliantly. It's kind of va vapor wavy, synth wavy, right? Yeah, like, yeah. And, yeah, and you, it, it's almost feels like it should have, you know, been a homage of a ga game that came before the early '90s Streets of Rage games. Um, but yeah, like I said on the Santa Play podcast, <laughs> it did jump out to me because yeah. of that strong melody. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. That I, I know what you're saying. There are more where it's more about the groove and the and the beat and the vibe yeah. than, than the melody. And maybe a few more strong melodies like that would have been welcome. Exactly. But and it, and it's not not to say that any of that is bad. It's great. It's just it's a different like, choice. Yeah. Yeah, it's a different choice, and it's sort of you know, there's nothing really for me to keep humming after mm. I'm done. But yeah, as I say, the last few days when I've gone from having played it for 15 hours to 38 hours, some <laughs> of those tracks that I thought were a little underwhelming at first, like in exactly the same way as when we used to listen to albums rather than singles all the time and one song at a right. time on Spotify, you would always find those songs on the album that you didn't even yeah. like that much for the first 20 listens. By the time you'd listen to the record fifty times, they were your favourites because there yeah, was more they, going they on. were the ones with staying power. Yeah, so I whereas think the in, initial hits kind of wear out their welcome. It's after the a while. Yeah. melodies that bite you on the ass. So I, yeah. I personally, having now played this for a lot, I, I feel like, and obviously your mileage will vary, but I feel like there's more going on with some of those tracks than than I was initially yeah. thinking. Uh, again, as cool. with the visuals, I was quite underwhelmed at first and the more i've played it the more the more i like it good yeah yeah i i definitely have found myself because i i tried listening to it a few times through you know just the, mm. the ost playlist and yeah and there were some parts that like i would hear a song and be like oh i don't remember that from the game but boy i really like this and then and then playing through the stage again like oh there it is you know it just might have been you know the, a series of you know thwaps and gauze and you know barrels exploding and stuff yeah, that of course maybe took away yeah. from it um so yeah i um i i overall i really like it um it's just uh maybe f just a couple a couple more tracks leaving me like m memorably tied to yeah. the game experience mm. uh, a little bit more but uh, and this again not to be old guy you know shouting about old consoles but like back in the mega drive day like the mega drive had such a distinct yes. sound setup yeah. and we're so used to getting 
or like everything from retro style eight bit to sometimes less than eight bit <laughs> uh, soundtracks to like full Hollywood blockbuster orchestrations mm-hmm. and games now yeah. that like sometimes it, it's not like it used to be you could just say video game music and you could like picture a type you know and then now it's just it's so blown out and wide to the point where it's like I don't it, there's just a lot more to sort through so that something that's retro sounding might not be retro sounding in the right way for certain people or, or certain things so it's when back in the 16-bit area, you heard the Streets of Rage 2 soundtrack, and it's just like, I've never heard anything like this ever, yeah. and it was just that. So I think it mm. has it was more unique just based on the lack of volume of things accessible at the time. So that might have something to do with it. Yeah, I think some of Yuzo Koshiro's uh, input was invaluable. I think having him there just pulling it all together with the boss the boss music, you know, the, like the main boss music and stuff like that, uh, just stops. I think there was a real danger that it could have been. And don't get me wrong, I love the Katana Zero soundtrack, uh, but I think it could have sounded like another of those kind of modern independent games that captures a load of really, you know, really high quality, well written and produced synthwave music. But that, but it could have missed the vibe, and yeah. and I don't think it did. In in both. It, with with the case of both the art and the graph uh, with the graphics and the music i'm sort of i try to think what would the original team have done if they'd had the power of these machines available to them if yuzo koshiro hadn't been having to cram all his music onto a tiny amount of memory on a mega drive and you know using the he was using the the weird legacy master system beeper that was in the mega drive to get extra sounds out of it and stuff like this what what would he have made and like the the tracks uh like the the piece in the uh art gallery with the saxophone i bet he would have thrown some proper sax in there if if he'd had the opportunity for one of his sleazier numbers that he did on some of the some of the original streets rage stages and i bet he would have put some guitar in like they use in the bar in this one uh yeah so i i kind of again it's that sort of you come to it with all these expectations and memories and nostalgia and you hear something that just doesn't exactly click to start with. And uh, again, yeah, I think I, I didn't take, I never took fully against this game, but for, for quite a long time, I was just a bit left a bit unmoved by it. But for reasons uh, that shifted. Uh, Hideki Naganuma was also supposed to be one of the, uh, the guest composers, as it were. Uh, he of Jet Set Radio fame. Uh, he later announced on his Twitter account that he had to drop out due to scheduling conflicts. It's from the IMDb. Let's get into the meat of the gameplay. Nupraptor from the forum says, Playing Streets of Rage 4 now gives me the same feeling as playing Streets of Rage 2 did back in the early 90s. That's high praise. Feels similarly, Brian? Yeah, I, I really do. And um, <laughs> maybe, maybe not... Um, maybe not all the way. I don't think I don't I don't look back and and think this does all the things that I needed a new Streets of Rage game to do. I've I've got my my complaints, but they're normally very idiosyncratic and not specific. Like like just in general, I I know I, I was just about to say I wonder if you guys know what this feels like, but I know exactly that you know what it feels like. The original Double Dragon, when you would get that perfect spot. A distance away from the enemy, and you would hit that one, two, three, four, five combo, and your character's a little hopping up and down, do, 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 bam, and it just had that satisfying like whack, and you'd like you hit them in the right part of the animation, and you just immobilize them and knock them across the screen. 
that's this game gives me that feeling mm. just so often and and I get myself into trouble and I get myself especially uh, I can't think of the name their names but it's the female character I've been playing through as Floyd most recently so uh, he's not the fastest character in fact he's incredibly slow and so there are these female characters who do these um jump kicks kind of like jump the drop kicks exactly yeah, the, the yes, God, thank you yeah ruby diamond so, so pyro yeah, and sapphire so, yeah. so so they'll get me so so for some reason with Floyd I was having so such trouble um getting them like you know like uh like like handling them without having just move out of the way and kind of bait them in but I got into this rhythm with I would like do a short cuz Floyd has a very short jump I do the short drop kick and then when they're in their air I hit my four punch combo with the upper and just like hitting that successfully it brought me way back to that feeling of playing the original Double Dragon to playing the original Streets of Rage games to where I just felt like complete, like you, you completely immobilize and brutalize your opponent, and you're just grinning from ear to ear when you do it. Yeah, this this game does that for me in a lot of ways. Um, I do feel it loses a little bit, um, just because of the kind of sophistication of game design over the years. Like, um, like there's something about a brawler now when you play it. Um, and this I consider this to be a very very good brawler. It just there's there's only so many spins you can make on the gameplay. Yeah. But I think Streets of Rage 4 does a really good job of marrying the old and the new and introducing new elements um, to make, but still making it feel a lot like uh, it did back when I was playing that at Friends House. Mikhail, you get similar vibes to that? Um, yeah, there's a lot of Streets of Rage fans have been, um, I wouldn't say complaining, but criticizing the game for not incorporating certain um, abilities and moves from Streets of Rage 3, like, for example, the double tap up and down to roll out of the way of an attack. Yes. Or uh, giving every character a full screen run, mm. for example, mm. right? Yeah. Um, so I sympathize with that. But on the other hand, um, I think there are so many smart tweaks they made to the base system that makes this game so much more dynamic than the old streets of rage games wall in its bouncing combat. exactly juggling wall bouncing juggling you know in the in the old streets of rage, rage streets of rage games you uh knock an enemy down and they flew through the air and there was not much you could do except for waiting for them yeah. to get up yeah you knock yep. them off screen you just had to wait uh wait for them to come back on screen again now with these wall bounces and these juggles you can keep up the pressure at all times and keep your combos going it's uh it's really great and yeah i think that's one of the main things uh then there are other smart tweaks like being able to grab uh objects from out of the air being able to chuck any every, uh, every object you have yeah. as a projectile towards enemies yeah. uh yeah. yeah and then you've got certain characters like Cherry like skates before her does have the full screen uh, dash attack. She sure for does, and she has massive priority compared to all the other characters in the air. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And yeah, the the character their move sets have been expanded in interesting ways. Um, you have uh, my my favorite character to play is probably Adam because of the short dash that allows you to cross distance quickly, but you never feel. You always feel in control. Mm. You feel heavy, and uh, you feel like you're doing a lot of damage. Um, other things are the, um, let's say, the special attack mm -hmm. that you can. Uh, in Streets of Rage three, they introduced this power bar where you could use your special attack without getting punished on your health meter. Yeah. Just as long as that was charged and it needed to recharge again. 
which was a pretty smart system. Uh, but now this time it might be even more interesting in that you, when you perform your either your forward or your neutral special attack, it takes off health. But as long as you can uh, keep your combo going and don't get interrupted, yeah, uh, you can earn that health back again. It's right out of blood. Yeah. Very interesting little. Mechanic. I was just about to risk say that. versus reward yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, that bloodborne, that bloodborne dilemma of you know like how how you know risk versus reward. Get in there and get aggressive. But if you can get aggressive but then have instant success, mm -hmm. you there's next to no penalty it's it's yeah. really um it's really it might very well be an uh, inspiration who knows right? i'm sure it yeah. is it, it, it doesn't yeah. mean just because you're making a quote-unquote unschooled un old school brawler doesn't mean that you have to take inspiration yeah, from those course. games only of course yeah. in uh yeah. i guess other other things that we might consider uh modern or quality of life changes and updates that maybe the purists might balk at are the fact that characters now give you a visual warning of what they're about to do a lot of the time, not just yeah. in their animation, but they'll flash white if they're about to do yeah. an unblockable. They'll flash red if they're about to get aggressive. And I think that's fair because yeah, before in the old games, there was no way to tell when yeah. uh, one of those white signals would come for you and toss you, yeah. uh, you know, before you could then do anything about them. Mm -hmm. And now you can at least like hop out of the way or interrupt them yeah. when you know that they're coming for you. I still don't know how to best deal, regardless, almost whichever character, the one of the large lads, uh, whoever, whichever one of the Gormond, uh, the Big Ben types, does oh, yeah. does the body slam splash. The hit on that thing is just yeah. enormous, and yeah. I still haven't. So there's an achievement in this game to complete a level without even taking a hit, which is a, I think it's a, a tall order. I think something like six percent have got it on Xbox, so it's not. It's not the hardest achievement in the game, but it's uh, mm. it's tough enough. Uh, but there's there's normally there's there's a relatively limited selection of enemies. There's actually only like sixteen types or something. Uh, yeah. But within those types, there are multiple subtypes, and some of them are, are, are more aggressive and and whatever than others. Obviously, this will depend on. I think there are five difficulty settings on which to play, um, and it 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 will all vary quite a lot. Uh, across that but yeah there's always at least one enemy even though i've now played this loads and uh and i've got okay at it there's there's still certain enemies and certain moves which i haven't fully sussed out but on the flip side of that uh when i finally got the uh, out of this world combo achievement the other day it felt so good uh that i just naturally i wasn't trying for it i just naturally got to that point in the game where i could yeah rack up a hundred and whatever combo it is oh, that's awesome and yeah. and then you use those little bins and other destructible objects to keep your combos going in between yeah enemy waves and that sort of thing and yeah. this is i think this is the point where i i went on being i i, I went my feeling on this game was i thought i i couldn't i couldn't think how a team could have done a better job of bringing streets of rage 4 up to date but also, I just wasn't in love with it. Like it didn't, it didn't totally work for me for whatever reason. Combination of factors. Wasn't in love with the art. Wasn't in love with the music. Gameplay was was solid and sound, but there was, you know, it wasn't quite clicking for me. I was a bit annoyed with how o overly reliant the default story mode is on managing combos and and lives. Like every level, it resets. The number of, of of supers and lives that you've got and i just and i know there's the arcade mode but that's a one credit deal 
Yeah. Uh, so I just wanted the opportunity to kind of practice by, you know, racking up some lives and, and carrying on to the next stage. And yeah, even if it meant cheesing the final boss with eight lives, at least I could do it. Now, there are ways of doing that, but it, it it's all about keeping this combo going. And I was a bit miffed as somebody who used to be pretty good at Streets of Rage 2 back in the day <laughs> that I was effectively being downgraded for playing the game well by Streets of Rage 2 standards, but not yeah. by Streets of Rage 4 standards. What changed yeah. was I just, I played more and I got better and I started to enjoy it more. Yeah. And now I'm willing to bet if you go back to the older Streets of Rage games, and those are unmistakable classics, oh, yeah. but they will feel a little bit... Limited. Limited, mm, exactly. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, I think some of those... Yeah, some of those jokes... <laughs> This one has ruined um, it for you. Yeah, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not sure how, how I feel about that. In general, I feel it as someone who's never been "quote unquote" good at at any of these games. I feel for me, having the reset of lives at the beginning of each of each level was was helpful. I found that like three full lives, you know, two one zero, um, was was enough yeah, okay. for me to yeah. get through any level. Makes and sense. and if I were to start the next level at zero, you know, and have to do the restart, like. Like for me personally, that helped me out. I've never been a very technically proficient uh, player at these enough. games, yeah. so that was very helpful for me um, personally. But I, but I see what you're saying too because it does like. So what's the point of like for me? I was always trying to get to that six thousand points or whatever it was five whatever right. depending on the stage to get that extra level just for my own personal buffer zone, as opposed to somebody who like yourself who might be better at it than I am. Like trying to get to four or five lives and starting the next level with only two, it does it must feel that way. It just yeah. I don't think I ever got to the point where i had to feel that way mm. um but yeah 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 and then another thing also is that the this game takes enemies from all three games that came before it and that gives you such a incredible enemy variety and that's such a a god given in a in a beat em up because that all having all these different kinds of enemies that act, are actually distinctive in the mm. way that they attack and they have their own little patterns that you have to deal with and their own little moves that you have to work around. Um, and then having to fight different combinations of them gives you a lot of different kinds of scenarios. And um, yeah, sort of like um, gameplay, gameplay situations. And this counters the age-old complaint of beat-em-ups being repetitive because if if it doesn't feel like you're just walking from one similar situation into the other, then there's a lot more, yeah, then there, there's a lot more, it yeah. has a lot more legs. Yeah, completely. Getting involved with the very different and seemingly pretty well-balanced set of protagonists and the, yeah, the, the, the variety of enemies in there. Everyone has a different set of considerations and they tr and they will be thrown at you in every single combination. There is always something to think about. And again, I know I keep saying it, but it's relevant. Nearly 40 hours of play, most of which over the last couple of weeks suggest that this game doesn't get repetitive. I mean, to me, and, and again, I obviously I speak as somebody who has repeatedly played Streets of Rage 2 in particular over many, many decades. But yeah, I would say this game because of those mechanics that we've mentioned, the modern mechanics, the new the new ideas, is yeah, potentially even more replayable than than yeah. Streets of Rage 2. I was just say this is where I think I might be the a bit of a contrarian to you two, because I 
got to a point with this game, um, and I don't I don't have as nearly as many hours in it as you do, Leon. But um, um, I I don't I do think this game gets a little long in the tooth. Okay, and I and I do think that there is maybe a situation when there are more types of enemies. But by level seven or eight, you know, the the maybe maybe the tower, maybe that's maybe by then. Mm-hmm. I feel like I kind of seen most of what that game could throw at me. It is quite and, long. I, I will yeah, agree. And it's 12 and, stages. That's pretty, yeah, pretty yeah. epic by brawler belt scroller standards. Yeah. And, and I just like to me, it felt like those last few levels. Well, they do offer some interesting gameplay. Sections. I, in fact, I think the last stage is really unique and cool in a lot of ways. It's just very hard and long um to, to for me anyway mm. uh but i do feel this game is just even though the, you can play through this game like i think we played through a co-op in one sitting i want to say it was like two and a half hours two hours maybe yeah, two, yeah like to yeah. to start to finish something like that i didn't um, play one full setting with my kids we just did it in chunks as well yeah yeah and so it wasn't yeah it wasn't a ton but that first night i mean by so that game came out on game pass on april whatever it was 2020 mm-hmm. and then by that night at 10 p.m. My friend and I over the internet were watching the credits for Street Four, which is fine. It's great because I it's I've gone back for that kind of game. Right? Exactly, yeah. Um, but I did feel by the end of it, it was more just kind of going through the motions. If there was a like a insert coin button, I would have just been slamming on it to get through the end of it. So, yeah. Um, to me, the combat is good, and and the enemy variety is good for this type of game, but it still does become tedious to me in the way that a lot of other brawlers do now that might just be to me because uh, i hear the way you guys talk about it uh, we're, we're just talking about it in to saying that the variety really kept you guessing and to me the variety comes with whatever protagonist i'm playing as like yeah um because because obviously their tool sets are different but but i still felt i even when playing through with floyd i, I did my floyd playthrough i just finished it this morning um and and I, by the time I was getting to the end of the game, I was like, okay, all right, let's get to the end mm. here. And I was really worried about the last level because he has very limited mobility, but it worked out okay. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, I just, I don't know. It just, it, it, it sounds weird to say about a game that's technically two hours long, but it does feel a little long. No, I think me. that's fair. I, th- um, I think that experience will, will vibe with a lot of other people's. And, and yeah, that's not contrarianism. That's just you having a different experience. Contrarianism exactly. would be going out on, on a limb to be you know to to argue against us even when you don't feel that way because you think it makes you look cool yeah okay <laughs> which isn't well, really as, isn't really something you hope, do brian i hope you know that the, yeah. the only thing i'm interested in is looking cool uh, <laughs> <laughs> now I, I think the the game being long is uh, a very valid criticism um especially if you're used to playing arcade brawlers that are maybe usually 45 minutes long mm. at most um, yeah, I mean, there's a reason why these games don't tend to go on much longer than that, right? You can because save between while it, you've... it auto saves between every stage on the default mode, so yeah, you don't have exactly. to do it all in one sitting. You don't have to do it that's all in one gr- sitting. Oh, and that's yeah, that's that's maybe the most modern convenience, right? Mm-hmm. Is yeah. that you come back in and it's you know you're at stage nine. Yeah. It's like, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I think then the other side of the argument is that. If you really love the mechanics of this game and exploring it and exploring the combat system, you know, you feel like um, by the end of it, you feel like you could you could have played for longer instead of feeling like it got long in the tooth, like you wanted to exhaust it even more. Yeah. So it really yeah. depends on how much do you enjoy the core combat and... You know, if it was just the, the same groups of enemies over and over again, like in the original Final Fight, 
where you're just fighting the same ensembles all the more time. More and more of them. <laughs> more and more of them, big swarms, then, yeah, it would have been too long, even if the mechanics were that good. But I think the um, vari- uh, variety between fighting situations is just just good enough, you know? There's, there's just so many different enemies. There's all the different villains, and then there's the police, and what have you, you know? There's Yeah. There's so much of it. And, and uh, yeah. yeah, it feels like a, like a very... It doesn't feel like a, a drawn out or a long in the tooth type of game, but it feels like a very rich and wealthy game to me. Mm, interesting. Yeah, I've certainly had the experience again of just because of replaying and replaying. And as I say, I I didn't... It, it's weird. I didn't... After I'd finished the game properly, at least a couple of times with different characters, I was like, right, I should crack on with other things for the show now because I've got all these big long games to play. Uh, here I am uh, yeah. dozens of hours later and yeah some of those bosses that I originally found really frustrating and irritating because of all their invincible you know unblockables yeah. and all that kind of stuff a lot of them I can absolutely wreck now with them without I guess it's probably more enjoyable but it reminded me a bit of uh, of your Double Dragon 3 Odyssey on the on the NES yeah. just <laughs> yeah. getting to that point of just and, and like, like our friend Ben does all the time with his games like I'm I'm somebody who plays dozens of different games on different genres on different platforms all the time. Yeah. Then you've got uh, the likes of uh, Jay and and Ben or bit Jay plays modern games, Ben plays really old ones uh, who will absolutely sit down and focus on one game until they've wrung every drop out of it and often you know got really really good at it through knowledge and muscle memory and all that stuff. And yeah, like I very seldom get to that like the level that someone like ben gets to with games but when he talks about how it makes you feel to have got to you know got got to that personal level of of satisfaction with yourself and with your ability on a game i've certainly had an inkling of that on on some of my recent plays of streets rage 4 even though i'm obviously nowhere near you know somebody who's actually really good at this game but i've improved noticeably for myself yeah, you know, I've I've actually had thumb pain the last couple of days from playing this game, which which doesn't <laughs> happen very often. But doing some of the attacks over and over again, particularly the towards towards attack, uh, over and over again, particularly with Cherry uh, and Axel, like uh, it it yeah it can knack your thumbs after a while. But it's a kind of it's that sort of it, <laughs> in a gamer's world, it's the same sort of pain as I guess a gym bunny gets from having overdone it on the you know bench presses or whatever. <laughs> it's like. Yeah. Yeah, it hurts, but the pain was worth it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, funny you mentioned the uh, the super armor on a lot of the bosses. Mm. That was uh, that was one of the, my main criticism mm-hmm. with the con- the combat system overall. Not that I'm against that sort of thing, but I think you should a be able to break super armor if you keep keep up the pressure and you can time it right, which is not possible. They pretty much will power through everything, DJ, a- uh, except for except your the DJ. Uh, ex- Except the DJ, yeah. But um, you can, of course, only interrupt them with your big superstar move. Yeah. But that feels, you you know, those come in limited. And if you're playing for score, you yeah. you're get penalized for using yes. them as well. Tosh. So it feel, feels like I shouldn't be using this. And um, Or you should have a little bit more mobility. So in that case, the, the double tap up or down would have been really good. So you could just quickly roll out of the way if they were, yes. were charging up their yeah. super... So you could, you know, do, if they if there would be more in the way of an actual quick dodge rather than just mm. moving up and down on the uh, on the mm. what was it the Z axis? Yeah, 
yeah, then uh, I would have been more okay with it. I think by that but, point, uh, though, you can you got the risk of creating a game where it's yeah, it's too possible to never get hit for some players. Like, uh, yeah, it, yeah, it, I think it is difficult, and I think overall. Uh, you understand why they do it, putting super armor on the bosses, yeah. so they actually feel formidable. Yeah, and then you know you yeah you they're just dangerous. Otherwise, they would be yeah like regular enemies. Yeah, but uh, I think yeah it's I, frustrating I, uh, at times. But again, it's frustrating, and there might might have been a little bit might have been a little bit uh, yeah some smarter ways to handle it. Perhaps yeah, and it, but again on uh, repeated playthroughs like the DJ Koashi, whatever he's called. Um, I can I can now almost do him without taking a hit. Yeah. Whereas when I first saw him, I was like, "Well, this is unfair and impossible." <laughs> uh, and yeah. and same with the the final boss. I'm not saying I can do the the Y twins and the giant robot thing that comes out without taking a hit. That that would be a lie. But I've done that yeah. with a couple of times now. With you know, without losing maybe without losing a life. Right. Probably needed to take uh, eat the the chicken halfway through and stuff like yeah. that. But. But that's fair. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, how about this, though? According to Jordi Asensio, a game designer at Guard Crush, Joe Musashi from the Shinobi series was proposed as a playable character along with other Sega characters outside of the Streets of Rage series. But the idea was turned down by Sega of Japan, according mm. to the wiki. I can understand that. Like, maybe they didn't want to make it Smash Brothers Sega kind of thing. But Yeah, right. Uh, yeah. The, the Iswat cop in there. Yeah, yeah. Let's go. Uh, who else could we have had? <laughs> Chuck D. Head out of Decap Attack? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Chuck D. Head. That's what... <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. uh, yeah. Booger Man, is he a Sega um, character? I'm not even sure. I, I think, think, it, was, I think it was Interplay. Yeah. Okay. Sewer Shark. Is the Sewer Shark a Sega character by default? <laughs> that might be. Um, that absolute douche out of Comic Zone. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sketch, sketch Turner. That's sketch. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. No, that's right. I just... Uh, Ah, oh, boy. Check out our Comic Zone <laughs> podcast. Uh, what, a, what, a, what a haircut. Maybe if they get to do it, maybe if they do another one, or maybe they'll maybe they'll talk them into it for some DLC, but it sounds like... Uh, it, I mean, that's interesting in that Sega clearly have the final say on stuff like that, if nothing else, even if their name is barely on the game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, the game uses the original names for both Galcia and Garnet, called Garcia and Susie in the US UO version of Streets of Rage 3. Also yeah. from the fandom. My ten-year-old uh, son is a very big fan of uh, Galcia. I don't know why, but he always cracks up when he sees them. Oh. Ah, Galcia, Galcia. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I like the uh, <laughs> the the aforementioned uh, boss section on the boat, which I think is a beautifully drawn room, by the way. That one with all the candles in the yeah, uh, I really like that. And she powers up all the Garcias that come in. By whipping yeah. them, and they become Galcia. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, I, and I get like Super Saiyan golden hair. Yeah. Oh, there's another nice touch I think as well, which is after both the levels that end in a crash, the train and plane levels, the start of the next level, you have a load of uh, green health that you need to refill. Yep. Which oh, is yeah. uh, which is something I'd never seen in a game like this before. So it, it actually oh. starts you off effectively with damage that yeah. you can either take or you can undo which is great idea uh, a little yeah. a little wrinkle yeah seth from the forum says i grew up playing the original games especially the second and an, as an avid fan of side scrolling beat em ups in general the announcement of this game was something i never expected but i knew i immediately needed it street to rage 4 is like the series was never gone 
The look is different and the overall presentation is more bombastic, but this plays about as well as the original games. The characters handled like I remembered. Everyone had the same strengths and weaknesses. I was able to string together my usual combos and I could land on my feet after being thrown. It was like riding a bike. That's right, yeah, the throw break. Yes, beautiful. On release, I spent an entire day playing through this with multiple characters and even then I hadn't scratched the surface of what's available. It also made me realise that Blaze is the character I should have always chosen as her moveset fits my aggressive style perfectly. If there's any problems with this game, I would have preferred it to end with the usual gun-toting boss, final boss instead of the annoying overblown robot thing you had to fight there. That felt incredibly misplaced. Streets of Rage 4 is unapologetically fun and I wish we had more games like this. Would it be tempting fate to suggest Capcom revisit Final Fight? Well, go get your original Xbox out and play Final Fight Streetwise. <laughs> or rather don't <laughs> I've never played it it might be my secret favorite game ever if I actually played it it's, uh, it's awful yeah, yeah. Uh. <laughs> yeah I, I, I don't know Final Fight after the first game uh, mm. never really got it right anymore maybe Final Fight 3 on the Super Nintendo is interesting but it works within the Super yeah. Nintendo's limitations of not having too many sprites on screen well, not to risk going on an odd tangent, I actually played that through with a friend of mine right before the pandemic began. We played through the SNES right. version of Final Fight Three. We had a great time, yeah. um, but I honestly can tell you that I, I could not tell you whether or not it was a good game or a bad game. We just had a lot of fun playing it. I think you understand what I mean. Like it just, yeah, it was, uh, of course, it was a good time. Happy Gray Box Five from the forum echoes my earlier feelings about the game that have only changed by repeated play, but these feelings may be felt by others. My only very minor complaint, says Happy Grey Box 5, is that the scoring system is frustrating. Very all or nothing. You can get a huge combo and one sucker punch before the score is blanked means you get nothing. Very harsh. Going for S ranks on hard meant many retries. Playing the opening section of a stage again and again, hitting retry when the enemy got a lucky punch in. Yeah, I think you you wrote, uh, you said blanked. It should have been banked. It means like you oh, cash sorry. out on yes, a score. Oh, sorry. Yes, my, my brain wasn't with it. Banked. Yes, which I mentioned earlier, the sort of banking score thing. There are some interesting moments where you have what you think is a good bankable score and then either there's too much going on for you to avoid action to bank it or yeah. or you get greedy and you think, no, I can still rack this up higher. The score goes up exponentially. And S ranks are deliciously tantalizing. But yeah, I, I actually I do still agree with Happy Grey Box. It is uh it is very, very heavily based around that mechanic and even on the arcade mode, which is this one credit deal and there's an achievement for doing it in one one credit on hard, uh the scoring is still similarly miserly if you're not racking up big combos. And I can see that for again, for people who grew up on the originals or other brawlers where an enemy is worth like a thousand points or whatever, and you just watch the score going up nicely, it does feel a little bit um, prescriptive compared to yeah the old way of doing things. It's like Happy Grey Box Five says um, it is all or nothing, and this is a design choice because the upside to this kind of choice for a scoring system is that when you do get it gr- going when you do get a long combo going 
and it becomes more and more the risk becomes higher and higher of losing all of that but uh, yep. also the euphoria keeps on rising yeah it is a very emotionally investing kind of mm -hmm. scoring system um yeah so that's the the other side to it but yeah it can be completely off-putting as well and the one thing that i do give it credit for is that it actually made me care about scoring in a beat-em-up which yeah, is something right. i usually discard the, the description you just gave leon of uh yeah in the other in the other games you could uh you know more reliably rack up scores i'd never even kept an eye on the score meter in the in the old games i only did once uh once it came to xbox live arcade and then suddenly leaderboards were a factor <laughs> right yeah that's a that makes a difference then. Yeah, yeah. and uh, obviously in the arcades, but even then there would either be yeah, people on the boards who were completely out of reach or completely useless. Yeah. But um, yeah, because I always remember there's that one, for whatever reason, there's that one enemy that jumps out of a manhole in Streets of Rage 2 that's worth ridiculous points and almost <laughs> always gives you an extra life, just like they went, yeah, this guy's worth 10 times normal points, yeah. So, which <laughs> always felt a bit bizarre and arbitrary. Sewage bonus sewage bonus <laughs> got one of those that's in my, that's my new that's my new prog rock band name <laughs> we are sewage bonus Seth <laughs> uh, again from the forum says the only thing I haven't been able to do is experience some old fashioned co couch co-op while I had a lot of fun playing this on my own these games are always better with others so hopefully I'll get to try this soon once we're allowed to mingle indoors again maybe in time for the incredible looking DLC so yes, as I said, I have not played this. I did actually, I went to search for a random game on Xbox and nothing doing, even though the game's on Game Pass. Not that surprising, I suppose. It is a year old and people move on. But uh, yeah, I used to play Streets of Rage 2 in co-op and uh, and the original, tons, um, back in the day. But um, I could have arranged some online sessions, but I just carried on playing solo. Uh, and I feel yeah. like some of the bits, particularly that the White Island, feel like they're better balanced for two, although I don't know if it rebalances based on the number of players. But you can have up to four people. Is that right? Yeah, that's I right. I believe so, yeah. Mm. Um, I, I do think it rebalances because uh, we had harder... I had a hard time with my first time on White Island in co-op than I did by myself. Um, but that might just be familiarity with the game. Uh, but yeah, the, my f entire first playthrough of this game was completely online multiplayer, and it, it just—I was really pleasantly surprised, just like how little lag and how little, um, you know, the uh, dis discontinuity there was between what was happening between you know my friend on the other end and myself. It it, it was a really smooth experience to play through that entire game online, and and also online progress and everything of that. It was just like it just seamlessly worked in a nice way. You know. You never had to worry about who launched the game or who had the lobby or who would, you know what I mean? Like it just, all the progress carried over, all the achievement tracking carried over. It was really nice. Um, And also, I mean, it's just a, it, it just harkens back to the, the old brawlers that I love, you know? It's like standing next to my friend or sitting next to my friend on a couch, just laughing, joking, picking each other, you know, trying to both help each other out. and help, inverted so, so, commas. Yeah, yeah, exactly. In other ways, just getting their way completely, you know? And yeah. like, or or taking taking the full chicken even though my partner is almost out of health and just laughing at him oh, you know man. what i mean like the, all that stuff is just it's too much fun to not do yeah of course um well you only do that to your best friends right like um it just yeah I, it it works as an online brawler a multiplayer brawler should i say i have never played coach coach co uh excuse me couch co-op like you have mckeel i'm assuming that works just as well yeah very very well uh, a lot of fun and with the uh, 
with three other kids, <laughs> myself included <laughs> as one of those kids. Uh, yeah, really fun time. And the thing is, I always felt like these games, because of their real estate you have on screen, are always best played with other people, right? Uh, you know, you just get some people together and you play through them. Uh, but recently I have been, rather than not playing them at all or with other people, I've been playing uh, yeah, Streets of Rage 4, of course, and some other brawlers all by myself. And it's interesting that um, it's you're more focused on your own gameplay at that moment in time and more yeah. focused on getting in clean hits, not taking any damage. You know, you care more, you're, you're more invested. It's it's like playing a different game. And I've warmed up to that side of the uh, yeah. belt scroll, scrolling brawler more now nowadays. Totally again. different experience. I used to play Gauntlet solo a lot and I loved it. The sort of one one person against the, right. against the hordes. And that game was absolutely designed to be played by a minimum of two people, preferably three or four. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's a different vibe. Um, and I guess most of us do... I say most of us. I know there's a lot of people who live kind of in social games these days uh, online, but a lot of us play the vast majority of our video games solo. We in, we might enjoy online stuff and and couch together stuff, but the reality is that the video gaming is often a, a solitary pastime, and that's fine. Uh, and uh, yeah, I totally agree. Like uh, it would be the kind of the way I'm playing Streets of Rage now trying to get better and get combos and high scores and s ranks and whatever else i'm not even sure how that would if that would work that well in in multiplayer like it could work really well if you got a, a real groove together with another person or people and you actually helped each other out in terms of keeping the other person's combo going and whatever else but um but i imagine it gets complicated i always think of those uh you know, watching people playing like new super mario brothers Wii with four players and it just looks like chaos and hell yeah, yeah. <laughs> compared to playing like a good old you know single player super mario world or whatever uh yeah. watching videos of high scoring players on youtube at this game there's a there seems to be a real scene around uh, both speed running and score attacking uh and these people are playing solo on mania and you know, absolutely creaming the game so so it is entirely doable achievements and trophies uh, a few of interest i think uh, there's some quite straightforward ones uh, and some yeah like the, you get your first one for picking up a health item which is yeah kind of a tutorial uh there's some yeah fairly standard ones just for uh basically going through the game uh one for completing a stage on the mania difficulty uh but yeah, there's there's uh, there's achievements and trophies for S ranks, and of course there's ultimately a, a platinum. There's a thousand points available on the Xbox version. I'm currently on eight hundred and something, I think. Well, that's impressive. Uh, I think I'd need to double check that. But yeah, I've got the I've got eighty eighty six percent of the trophies, some uh, achievements, something like that. Cool. Uh, and they, I do find them a motivational factor. Like it's one of the reasons I'd be less likely to play the Switch version. Uh, the portability is is cool, but um, but I do like the sort of the idea of getting just that little digital trinket for completing the one CC on hard and actually getting it the recognized. <laughs> the original non fungible token, right? <laughs> right. The old the old achievement on the uh, on your profile. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I, I only have a. I was checking my Xbox achievements this morning. I haven't gotten that many because, because admittedly, I've played more on the Switch than I yeah, have. Yeah, sure. Um, just to be on the go. Um, uh, they they don't have the equivalent unless I don't know where it is. They don't have the equivalent of like you know how like a uh, achievements in the in game, game where you can like yeah. just check. Some, yeah, and you can um, you can do in, just an in-game achievement system on the Switch. Yeah, uh, and I always wonder why developers if they already created one for like a. The, because there's a system behind mm. those. If they created those for uh, you know games that are, are not on the Switch, <laughs> then why not include it sort of as an in-game thing? Sometimes in they Switch do. Itself. It's, 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 yeah. I guess it's like they have to draw an extra screen and extra menu yeah. options and stuff. But yes, I know your game will have in-game achievements. Yep, yep. Yeah, which I enjoy. Yeah. Uh, they're not as yeah. good <laughs> as, as over as overarching system achievements, but, you know, better than nothing. Yeah. Uh, there's, a, there's a reach a lifetime score of 5 million one and uh now obviously my scores have been pretty low up to this point so it, it's taken a while but i'm heading for ha- heading for the halfway mark after 38 and a half hours of play but obviously that it should now speed up because i'm better at the game so you should be getting higher scores going forward if you see what i mean steve norman from the forums says completely faithful to its predecessors from what i've played of them but also completely modern feeling modern looking and a fantastic beat-em-up in its own right so many things i love some of the chaotic mass brawls that feel just like a bruce lee movie finding the secret retro areas and some old friends just how 80s the brilliantly styled and massive variety of hand-drawn art all looks and the soundtrack isn't bad either we definitely have a keeper to come back to for many years to come yeah, there are four bare-knuckle arcade machines with retro boss fights to be found in the game, but you have to access them by finding a taser item and hitting the cabinet with that, which is quite <laughs> yeah. a neat twist. Uh, and sometimes <laughs> the taser item is a couple of screens away or it's hidden. Oh, that's the other trophy that I wanted to mention. There's a, a Half-Life 2 Episode 2 style trophy, albeit much easier. Uh Oh, no, is it Half-Life 2 Episode 1? No, the gnome, uh, where you had to famously get the the little gnome from the start of the game to the end of the game, uh, despite, its, <laughs> despite its ridiculous physics and uh, massive inconvenience. In Streets of Rage 4, there is a golden chicken in an art gallery, uh, <laughs> which uh, some goons are standing That's around right, yeah. admiring. If you pick that up and then make sure that it doesn't either get scrolled off screen or used as an enemy because it dies after one hit uh, yeah we should say um weapon degrade re- weapons degrade in this as they did in streets of rage 3 uh in the same way i think or similarly uh if you get the chicken although it's actually so big it's probably a turkey really uh <laughs> yeah. if you if you carry it so you have to drop it by uh, just pressing the B button or the circle button or the without holding a direction. Without holding a direction, and get it to the storeroom. You get an achievement for that. That's that's one I enjoyed. Just you know, it didn't take long. wasn't that hard, but just a fun, fun little thing to do. Yeah. An in-game mural features Donald Glover in response to his, uh, as Childish Gambino, song "Hold You Down," which features a sample from Streets of Rage Two from Yuzo Koshiro's Slow Moon. Thanks nice. to the IMDb. Yeah. Now, Sean S. Thomas from the forum says, Streets of Rage 4 was far and away my favourite game of 2020. I had long hoped for a new entry in the series, but never expected it to be this rich. 
but it's the subtle quality of life changes that made it a game that could only have come out this decade. Switching from one long playthrough on restricted credits to multiple levels was brilliant, although I welcome that it can be played in the original manner. Deciding whether to hoard power-ups for better scores or to take down bosses is great, and levels that can seem impossible on the first attempt seem doable without losing a life, given a few repeat, repeat sessions. There are so many other smart touches, but these are some of my favourites. Being able to catch a weapon you've thrown as it bounces off an enemy, or bouncing enemies off of scenery to keep a combo alive. Hidden secret bosses in retro arcades and classic characters to unlock. The music ramps up when you go through doors, like in that jailbreak scene. The variety in playstyles of the main characters also leads to highly satisfying replays, and ultimately that's what this game is all about. I see Streets of Rage 4 as a hugely smart and rewarding update on a classic formula. It does have a couple of tough difficulty spikes, but it feels so good when you start overcoming them and getting good high scores. As a love letter and update on an all-time great, I don't think many developers have done it better. I'm excited to see what the DLC yields. Yeah, we forgot to mention the music, I, I don't think. The, the fact that uh, there's some rather cleverly edited segues in there so that regardless of how long it's taken you to get from one section to another, the music will almost seamlessly uh, kind of phase from one track to another, which, yep. uh, which I really well like. Done. Yeah, mm. and another thing that uh, reminded me also, like one really cool mechanical thing is that uh, usually when you do a down air attack, right, to, as a yep. combo starter, you uh -huh. can actually follow that up with a neutral air attack, which is really fun with a lot of characters. So you do the, oh. the, the down air attack, and then while you're still in the air, do like a jump kick uh, in their face. And, uh, it's, a, it's a very cool little one, too. Mm. Add to that hit tally. Yeah. Yeah, so DLC, we've again, we've kind of jumped the gun with this game. I thought maybe it would be the game would be done. Uh, maybe they'd put some updates out or something. But yeah, there's actually some DLC coming at some point in 2021. I'm sure it won't massively change our overall opinions on Streets of Rage 4. But uh, it's called the Mr. X Nightmare DLC. There's a trailer out there now. As I say, uh, Estelle Aguirre will be a character, as will Shiva. Yeah, she was, a she was a boss in the game. Uh, That's right. Still, yep. yeah. A, a two yep. times boss. And she brings back the uh, the original Streets of Rage 1 super attack as well. Oh, yeah. That's right. With her, with her rocket launcher buddies. Uh, also, question, why does the commissioner smash his own desk up when you arrive in the room? <laughs> uh, well, what's that? What's the point of that? It's a power move, you know. Wants to let you know that everything is disposable, yeah. uh, including you. Yeah. Uh, that's my that's okay. my uh, personal. This is why yeah. you do a podcast on character, yeah. uh, game characters, because you understand <laughs> yeah. the motivation. That, that's that's. Thank you. Finally, somebody recognizes <laughs> my skill set. Yeah. <laughs> uh, new weapons, new moves, new stages, and some new music. So yeah, I'll be absolutely uh, day oneing that. Yeah. Now, I, now I own the game digitally. <laughs> Magical Isopod has a few bugbears. Magical Isopod says, I like Streets of Rage 4, but I didn't love it and not enough to complete it at that. I'm certainly not a huge fan of the series at the best of times, but I enjoy the third entry the most. The movement tech available in that game with dodge rolls and running attacks always felt great. But strangely, 4 omits this freedom of movement and instead opts for a more methodical pace where your character will slowly trundle around to get in punching position. It makes the game feel rather dated, like it's aiming to be a tribute to beat-em-ups of the 80s and 90s, rather than evolution of the genre. 
That's all well and good if nostalgia is all you're after, but for a fairly expensive modern release, I was expecting more modern gameplay. I'm disappointed that it presents itself as a fourth entry whilst omitting some of the improvements of 2 and especially 3. It feels less like Streets of Rage 4 and more like Streets of Rage 2.5. For me it felt slow and repetitious, and I can't say I recommend it over newer brawlers like Scott Pilgrim and River City Girls. Well, Scott Pilgrim isn't really a newer brawler, but point taken. Uh, I think maybe Magical Isopod should try some of the other characters because uh, some of them are absolutely not slowly trundling about. Cherry Hunter in particular can absolutely sprint about the place uh, and jump at will and uh, yeah, fly about the stages and uh, easy chaining combos together. Um, and I think most of the mechanics that you would that that magical ice is arguing were dropped or actually just divided up among the characters and obviously the the energy bar special is replaced with a arguably more contemporary mechanic fair fair yeah it's it's all yeah yeah only the 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 dot roll dot roll could have been yeah could have been a good addition but it needed to have a function within this game of, as well of course mm. the game would have been yeah a very different proposition uh, and yeah. it would have been had to have been completely rebalanced yeah because that one is about evasion but i think streets mm. of rage 4 is much more of an offensive game and keeping up the pressure that's right and keeping your combos going so yeah. i can see why they didn't see it as a necessary mechanic for this one but another shout out for River City Girls, and we're going to have another from Shadowless Kick, who says, I'm honestly a bit baffled by the reception to this game. I wonder if I played the same title everyone else has. I could initially only get into a good groove with the two Hunter characters, as the other's relative lack of mobility made things really challenging. Things improved when I started unlocking the classic versions. They felt much springier and more fun to control. But even so, the overall package just doesn't do a lot for me. Realising the fight with Stage 10's DJ boss was an homage to Sh Super Shredder from the Turtles in Time just made this game's shortcomings more glaring. But maybe my limited exposure to the original games explains why my reaction is different than many others. In the end, I think of Streets of Rage 4 in the same way I think of Sonic Mania, a loving tribute-slash-update by obviously passionate developers that just didn't hit the mark for my personal tastes. As far as modern beat-em-ups go, I had a much better time with River City Girls and Ninja Saviors Return of the Warriors. I haven't played River City Girls yet, but I love Ninja Saviors as well. Yeah. I do. I mean, it's a, it is a, it's not really a modern game, is it? Because it's essentially it's an absolutely direct remake of a Super Nintendo game from the mid-90s. But Yeah, uh, but they added a lot more enemies and uh, I think it's... Oh, okay. uh, yeah, they they basically sort of cross the boundaries of what the Super Nintendo could throw at you. Sure. I mean, yeah. I absolutely love it as well. And for the longest time, I was going to probably end my summary to this podcast with, you should play Ninja Saviors before you play Streets of Rage 4. But I don't know if I'm going to do that now. Yeah. But uh, They're two, two very different games also. They are very different. Yeah. But you should still play Ninja Saviors if you're listening to this podcast. Yeah. In my opinion. Happy Greybox 5 is our final correspondent other than three word reviews and happy gray box says i rarely do day one purchases but i love streets of rage one and two as a child in the 90s and had been waiting decades for another entry in the series 2020 was proving to be a difficult year and i hoped that the game could help me kill a few days i therefore paid full price on day one i'm so glad i did 
It was easily my most played game of 2020 and I ended up obtaining the Platinum Trophy. Congratulations. It was so wonderful to have Blaze and the gang back. Working from home, I often played a quick stage, or three, when I should have been working. Learning combo techniques with each character was rewarding and fun, especially enjoyed learning to chain air specials with Blaze. Mm. The game really helped me through a tough year. I don't want to wait as long for Streets of Rage 5, please. Okay, and we have some three-word reviews. Follow us on Twitter, at Rince. Brian. Magical Isopod says, kinda, sorta, sequel. Ricardo Branzoni says, hate Boss Max. SL37 says, end difficulty spike. Mm. Cantona's Ghost says, Streets of Revival. Samantha Smith says, Captures Originals Charm. Liam Evans Keen 1 says, That soundtrack though. Deadbeat Punk says, Taser Arcade Cabinets. Robin Hoodie says, Finished, instantly restarted. It's His Hill says, My thumbs hurt. Mine too. <laughs> uh, Richard A.M. says, excellent series revival. And Wong Gifts says, worth the wait. And it was a wait, wasn't it? Yeah, <laughs> a little bit. 1994, 1993? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 94, yeah. I think, was three, was yeah. it? Yeah. Hmm. Okay, uh, well, just to summarize then our Streets of Rage 4 experience and whether or not we'd recommend people... Give it a give it a go if they haven't already. Uh, Brian. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Give it a go if you haven't already. Uh, it's still on Game Pass. Uh, don't know for how long, but um, so it's worth a less um, uh, financially intrusive uh, way to get at it there. But it's also not that expensive on Switch now. I can't remember mm -hmm. exactly what it is. Not that expensive relatively from what it was, should I say? Yeah. And uh, and yeah, it's it, it really does offer a lot of a lot of depth and a lot of reasons to play it. Um, for me personally, it goes on um, a little bit too long, as I said before, but I think the positives completely outweigh the negatives. And, and it just shows that you can make a, maybe I can't, maybe I dislike the term retro style brawler to me, because I feel like this is a modern style brawler in the sense that you can make a, you can make a brawler in this modern day and just do different things to it, make some changes uh, philosophically to, to, to make it contemporary and current and not just feel uh, old for the sake of trying to uh, to accomplish that retro feeling, and I think this really does a a great job of that. Uh, I, I I I like the soundtrack a lot. I love the way this game feels. I think the characters are interesting and well animated. I think the lit game really looks good, and it just feels great to play. Um, it's not maybe how do I want to say this? It's not that I was I wasn't the person that was clamoring for a Streets of Rage four. I wasn't the person who was like, please let's bring this back. Let's do let's try to uh, get this going. I was pretty satisfied with with the way Streets of Rage existed on six sixteen bit, but I am but I am now very much looking forward to the potential of a Streets of Rage five. And if they were to announce that Game Pass or not, I'd probably now because of Streets of Rage four be a day one person for that next game. So I'm very excited to see uh, what they do next. Turtles. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I'll be day one for that definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Mikhail, how about you? Yeah, um, as I said, I was uh, never uh, a Streets of Rage super fan, uh, but over uh, the past year or so, I've uh, learned to appreciate more of what this series of uh, Beatemos brings. And um, Streets of Rage Four, I think, 
really takes from the older games uh, but modernizes especially the combat um, in such smart little ways that um, it kind of uh, yeah it, it kind of almost makes the older games even though like I said they're still unmistakable classics and they're really fun to play yeah it, it, it kind of outdoes them in many ways and this really, you know, talking with you guys about this game and the series um, has done the usual thing for me, but maybe more so than I can think of in recent memories of where I just, all the time, I just kept on thinking about it while we were talking about it, and I kind of just want to go back in there and, and keep on playing. And uh, yeah, would I recommend it? For sure, yeah. Even uh, if you think you might not really like it, uh, if it's uh, a Game Pass type of deal, give it a shot. Thanks, Mikhail. Yeah, I didn't think I'd be going last on this one until, yeah, like, I don't know, 10 days ago, maybe. Maybe as recently as that, possibly even more recently. I got off to a, I'd, yeah, I always liked the game, Streets of Rage 4. I thought it was uh, yeah, really classily put together and clearly made with expertise, passion and love by some talented coders and artists and as I said earlier, I, I couldn't actually think of a of a way that they, that in my opinion, they should have done things differently. However, for whatever reason, at first, the game was I liked it, but I didn't feel any more positively towards it than that. Uh, I absolutely fell in love with Ninja Saviors, similar but different kind of game, and uh, and I thought, yeah, I'm probably going to end up by once again hectoring people to check that game out rather than Streets of Rage 4 which was yeah a nice a nice modern update but but nothing more than that however the last week or so i've ended up more than doubling my playtime on this game to the point that it's now the sort of playtime i'd normally associate with a you know, like a big modern triple a action game or something like that i'm sure it's still a way short of my original Streets of Rage 2 playtime across all the many versions of that game that I own and have owned uh, and there was no way that anything was ever going to kind of supplant my affection for Streets of Rage 2 I played that game first when I was 21 years old and it for the time it was outstanding on a technical level and an audio visual level on a gameplay level and for me it had never really been kind of overtaken as the most fun brawler to play with some competition from some of the mid-90s Capcom arcade output perhaps but yeah I just kept on playing it I kept on playing it after I'd played it enough for to feel qualified to talk on this podcast and then I kept on playing it beyond that and now I'm thinking of playing it some more and thinking about my thumbs hurting and the fact that I need to get on with other games for the show but also thinking I need to get some S ranks on those stages and I need to complete that arcade mode in hard for the one credit achievement and, and all this other stuff. So I think probably what I'll do is I'll try to actually lay it down for a bit and come back to it when the DLC uh, drops, whenever that is later this year. Uh, not that long, I don't think, hopefully. Uh, and yeah, I do thoroughly recommend it. As I said earlier, I know it sounds funny, but I am conscious this is not the real sequel in the sense that it's not the same people on the same system back in the 90s it is a a completely 
you could you could say you could argue it's a reboot even though it's a numbered sequel and the plot plot continues on it's a it's a it's the same game but for the modern systems but i think they've really nailed it like beyond probably what most fans would have expected and yeah we really there have been some other great updates i think like sonic mania and things like that but we've also had some absolutely insulting games over the last 10 or 15 years that whether it's final fight streetwise or that uh that horrendous vandal hearts game that was on xbox live arcade that just yeah just i just found them hideous and like i just didn't want them to exist basically but this one no uh all credit to uh lizard cube and guard crush uh and absolutely check it out well i think that'll do so it just remains for me, Leon, to thank Brian, Mikhail, Editor Jay, our correspondents, and, of course, to you for listening. Next time, in issue 467, no graphics, only words, in a vintage sci-fi non-visual novel, Trinity. <laughs>